Welcome to the teachings of Pastor Mike Yost of the Springs Calvary Chapel in Habern, Idaho. Please join us as we study the Word of God. Good morning, church. You can turn to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5 is where we'll be today. And uh, it's going to be a little different today. I usually come with more of a Bible study. I'm going to give part of my testimony, my story, how the Lord saved me, and then how life has happened after that. So, everyone in Romans chapter 5? Cool. Cool. I'm going to pray for myself as I usually do in all of us, because I need it. Lord, you are precious and you are holy, and we thank you, Lord, that we are not banished from your presence, but welcomed in because of your blood. We thank you that your word is alive and active and is sharper than any two-edged sword, and you want to speak to our hearts today as we open up your word. We thank you, Lord, that you are faithful in the depths of our sin, in the depths of Misery and tragedy, Lord, you are there. In the depths of our confusion or questions, you are there. Lord, there's no place that we, where we could go that you're not. And uh, we just pray, Lord, that our hearts would be open, receptive to your word, and that you speak to us, minister to our hearts. We thank you, Lord, that you didn't save us and then abandon us and leave us to figure it all out on our own. You stayed with us. You've us, given us your Holy Spirit. So I just pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would speak to our minds, our hearts, our souls. You'd transform us, that we would be uh, transformed by the renewing of our mind, Lord, by your Holy Spirit. And uh, we just give this, this morning to you. We pray, Lord, for those kids once again, that they'd be blessed by the word that is being taught to them, that they would have open hearts and open eyes, and they would see you and hear you. We pray that for our service today. In your name we pray. Amen. So Romans chapter 5, like I said. Um, but before that, I guess I could tell you part of my story, uh, the beginning part of my story. My parents um, divorced when I was two years of age. Why did I start with there? Because I think it's important. Um, my mom went to church growing up, and it was kind of in and out. Some days she went when her family was doing okay, they went. When they weren't, they didn't go. So she, she kind of walked away from God. And then uh, I have an older brother who's five years older than me. And uh, when they got divorced... My mom went back to church, and I've, I've been in church ever since the age of two. I've grown up hearing all those stories of David and, you know, with the slingshot and walls of Jericho falling down. And then, you know, all the stories of the Bible, I faithfully went to church. It wasn't until about um, junior high age where I gave my life to the Lord. Uh, the Lord saved me. The Lord delivered me. The Lord took me from a sinner and made me into a saint. Uh, from dead to life, as the Bible says. And... I was sitting down, my parents were involved in young adults, a ministry, and I was, me and my brother, sometimes we were like, man, we just don't want to go, we were there all the time, and we would sit in the back of the car for hours, like, oh, when is this going to be over, and then, because my brother has kind of encouraged me to like, let's just not go, and um, so, what happened after that, I think it was way too hot, it was summertime, where I grew up, it was like 110 outside in the summertime, so we couldn't sit in the car, we would die, so, they were like, come inside, um, sit in the back. And my stepdad, he, 
he, he comes up to me. They were taking communion, and he was like, you know what this is? I'm like, yeah, it's, you know, the juice and the, the, the bread, you know, juice, blood, and the body. Yeah, I know. He's like, yeah, but have you been saved? Do you, know, do you know Jesus? Are you saved? Do you have eternal life? And I'm like, no, I don't think so. And I knew a sinner. We, we know we're sinners from a very young age. You know, you, no one has to teach you to, to lie, to steal, to, to sin. We are born sinners. We're born in sin. So I, I, I knew the weight of my sin. I, I, like I said, I grew up in church hearing story after story, learning about Jesus on the cross. And that, that day, um, the Lord saved me, gave me eternal life. My, I, I like to share that because my dad, he's really, uh, my stepdad, he's really cool. Uh, he's really godly influence in my life. And that's where it all started, but I was in junior high, and I kind of just floated along, kind of just went through the motions. When I went to church, there were some times where, man, someone was just speaking to me, speaking right directly to my heart. And then a few days went by, and I went back to my old lifestyle. Not even, nothing really bad. I wasn't murdering anyone, robbing banks or anything like that. I just didn't really give much attention. Oh, yeah, I'll read the Proverbs today. My stepdad told me to do that, and I'm thankful that he did. It's, it's given, uh, I've been able to reach back in those Proverbs and just pull out these great truths that God has been able to use in my life. So anyways, um, that was junior high. High school, you know, high school years. <laughs> um, yeah, what do you say about them? Other than, I really didn't find my identity in Christ. It was trying to be cool or find my identity in sports or other than God. And um, it was kind of lonely and uh, empty, you could say. I, was I saved? Yes, I was saved. But I wasn't fellowshipping with God the way that I should. Um, my, my message today really, and, and it's with my story, and we're going to get through the scriptures, but it's about humility and faith, or you could say responding to God. That's the, that's the only way we can relate to God properly, is through humility, by faith. Okay, so Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 says, it is by grace through faith that you are saved. I knew that. I understood there's no way I can get to heaven. Like I, like I said, I grew up in church. I knew there was absolutely no way getting up there, no matter how hard I tried. Another thing about my life is I became a little Pharisee. Um, as long as I wasn't as bad as this person, I was good with God. And... Um, my, it was easy. My brother was a big troublemaker. So I was like the golden kid. My brother was just, he was always in trouble. And I'm like, dude, can't, can't you like just figure this out already? Because you're like really messing things up. Even sometimes for both of us. So I'm like, as long as I'm better than my brother, I'm good with God. And, and, and as long as we're better than those people, we're good with God. We can have that attitude like the Pharisees. Right? That's what Jesus is after time after time. So, um, High school, created a, a, an own idol in my life. It was a girlfriend. And uh, she was more important than God. Thankfully, praise God, she broke up with me when, in 11th grade. And that was a moment where, where I, I, I truly, deeply surrendered to God, to God's will, his plan, for his agenda in my life. And it was only after I would give up my plans, my will, my way. And um, that was, I think, a really... When I started walking with Christ, when I started living in Christ. Um, but still, yeah, I had many struggles, many failures. Still lost and um, empty. And how do you say that? And you're like, how is that possible? 
I don't know. <laughs> it just was. Um, because I wasn't abiding in Christ, I was trying to, sh- I was trying to do, live the Christian life on my own. So I want to take you to uh, Romans chapter 5, verse 1. It says, therefore, having been justified by faith, not by working hard, not by trying hard, not by being good enough, but by faith, trusting, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we also have access by faith into the grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. I'm going to do a lot of jumping around, so just stick with me for those of you who like going verse by verse. Sorry, this is not what we're doing today. So I was justified the day that I asked Christ to be my Savior. Justified, declared not guilty. There's no, there's no in-between. There's no, you're a little bit guilty or you're a little bit messed up. You're a little bit a sinner. No, it's guilty or, or not guilty. Correct? You with me? So God declares us, declared me not guilty. And I like how someone said it, justified, just as if I've never sinned. But I like this uh, explanation better, just as if I've always done right, everything right, the way that God wanted me to do. And God gives us, to that, gives us that gift, not because we're good enough, but because he's the only one that can give that gift, and we need that gift. So I want to take you to verse um, Six, for when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely, it says, for scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Not many of us will give, of course there's people in the military, but just, oh, some disgusting person is about to get, they just murdered a whole bunch of people. Terrible things. I'll take their place. I don't think any of us would do that. We always say, they get what they deserve. Wouldn't we? Yes, if you're just thinking logically, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I have a family. I'm not going to give my life for this disgusting person. But that's what Christ did. And he's saying, no, no one would do that for um, even a righteous man. But think of (laughs) our sin. Um, No one would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love towards us. And while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath through him. I want to jump down to verse 12 in chapter 5. It says, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered in the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men, because all sin. So, um, in this section of chapter 5, the, the bottom portion, the second portion, he talks about Adam, and he contrasts, this is Paul writing, Adam is... Um, he kind of messed it up for us, don't you think? None of us sa- said, you know, I'm really glad what Adam and Eve have, have done for us, right? None of us are like, thank you, Adam and Eve. You did a great job. No. We're all like, are you kidding me, Adam and Eve? You had it perfect. You had it perfect. Perfect. You get to walk with God. The coolness of the day. You were in the Garden of Eden. No sin. But they really messed it up. And what do they bring? Death, destruction, tragedy, pain, emptiness. But I love how he contrasts Jesus. He says, Adam brought all this destruction and transgression. But, verse 15, but the free gift is not like that offense. For if by one man's offense many died, much more the grace of God and the gift by the grace of one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. So just as we receive, we didn't ask for it, but we got what Adam left for us, right? The leftovers. 
And it is true that we can receive, we can accept from Christ righteousness and grace. I want to go to verse um, 17. It says, For if by the one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace. Not just a little trickle or a drop. You know, sometimes we treat God that way, right? Because grace is, what is grace? Getting something, it's like this. This is Simplest illustration. Your kid is bad. Or let's just say my kid is bad, David. It's not that hard for him to be bad. Not that hard for any of us to be bad. And you say, David, do you know what you did? Yeah, I just punched Johnny. I just kicked him down on purpose. Okay. Yeah, what did he do? I don't know. He usually doesn't bother him. But anyways, I'm not going to punish you, David. Okay, that would be mercy. I'm not going to make your, your backside red, okay? Not only that, but I'm going to take you out for some ice cream. I'm not approving of his sin, but I'm not treating him as a little sinner. I'm treating him as my son. So that's the grace of God, is, is getting way much more than we ever deserved. And God has grace upon grace. It says in John chapter 1, Christ came down and he brought grace on top of grace. But do we go to God? He says this. He sits on a throne of grace. In Hebrews chapter 12 or 11. Approach God who sits on a throne of grace. That's pretty encouraging. They just say, I get to live however I want. Party time. No. You know what that costs him? His life. And they say, party time. You missed it. We'll get to that right now. But he sits on a throne of grace. I like that. For us, his, his um, sons and daughters. Okay, so I want to take you to verse 20 now. Moreover, the law entered that the fence might abound, but where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. Did you hear that? Where sin abounded, where there's a lot of sin, a whole pile of sin, your whole life of sin, grace was bigger and greater and stronger. It's truth. It's right here. It's God's word. So that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So chapter 6, verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Party it up? No. He says it right here. Certainly not. Absolutely not. Are you crazy? But I, I used to be this way. I used to do this. I always sin. I know God will forgive me. He has a lot of grace, right? What a failure to realize what it cost Jesus. Are you in that place today? Oh, God would just forgive me. I'll just go ahead and do this. No, don't do that. Certainly not. You shouldn't. Verse 3. Or do you not know that as many as us were baptized into Christ Jesus, we were baptized into his death. Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death. Did you know that you were buried already if you believe in Christ? It's kind of scary. It's kind of cool. It's kind of interesting. You're buried with him through baptism in the water that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we, are, we should walk in the newness of life. Yes, but how many of us are walking in the newness of life? I lived for so many years not walking in the newness of life. The flesh. The Bible says in Galatians, it says, the flesh wages war against the spirit. It's like they're wrestling so they're trying to kill each other. Is that not true in your heart, and your life? The flesh and the spirit are, who's going to win? I think it would be like two, two 
bulldogs fighting each other, just ferocious, right? Don't you ever have that tension inside you, the flesh and the spirit? No, I want to do this. I have these strong desires. No, don't do that. Don't do that. Yes, anyone else? Just me? I guess it's just me in here that has that. Okay. So he says that we should, know, know, that we should walk in the newness of life. And I'll get back to this, this whole idea of baptism, dying, and raising. So I want to go to um, verse 11. It says, I know I'm skipping a lot, like I said, so just stay with me. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And verse 14, it says this, For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. If you notice, in, in, if you read this or have read this in Romans 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, it talks about this gift, this grace, um, this undeserved, that you could never earn it. You could never work hard enough to get this favor, this kindness, this love, this goodness towards us. So, I want to take you to Romans chapter 7 now, and it, I'm going to do a summary of 7 and hit on a few verses, and that is Romans chapter 7, he talks about this law inside of us, um, we were, we, he said we died with Christ, and we are raised up with him, but yet um, we still have this war inside of us, and um, unless one dies, you cannot be married to the new spirit of the law, you cannot be new, uh, married to the newness of of Christ. That's what it says in verse 6. It says, but now we have been delivered from the law, having died to what we held, were held by, so that we should serve in the newness of the Spirit and not in the oldness of letter. It's not about keeping all the rules, but it's about having a right relationship with God. And when you have a right relationship with God, then you'll keep the rules. But if you try to keep the rules to have a right relationship with God, you have it backwards. Understand? Okay, so that's what chapter 7 is about. And I want to take you to verse 17. But now, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. For I know that in me, that is, in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present. I want to do what's right, that's inside of me, with me. But how to perform what is good, I do not find. Verse 19. For the good that I will to do, I do not do. And the evil I will not to do, that I practice. Now, if I do what I will not to do, this is the tongue twister, I, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. Verse 21, I find then a law that is evil, the, the law that evil is present with me, and the one who wills to do good. For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man, but I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into the captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. <sighs> That's a lot, Paul. Thank you. Verse 24, O wretched man. You could almost hear him, feel him pounding his chest. I've done that before. Oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? I'm going to read it again. Oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from the body, this body of death? I thank God. I thank God through Jesus Christ. So we have a big problem. I'm a wretched man. I don't want to do what I do. I want to do what I don't want to do. Oh, the frustration he's feeling. You ever had that in your life? Frustration? Wanting to do what's right, but totally failing. Not, um, oh, my brain just broke, but you get the idea. You don't want to do this thing, this sin, but yet you do it. And you want to do what's right, 
but you can't do it. You don't do it. You ever had that before? Me. Me. It's an empty, painful, struggle-filled Christian life when you try to be good enough. When you try to muster up the strength. When you try your hardest. If you were here like a couple months ago, a fruit tree never grunts. A fruit tree never strives. It abides. Right? Berry bushes don't, ah, come on. You can do this. Just try it harder this time. I know, um, this is silly, just excuse me. I'm junior high and high school and um, young kids, but pair of shoes right here. Like I said, this is silly, I'm just, I know you guys are a lot older, but this is just where my brain's at. This is where I stay all the time. Come on, shoes. You just need to put one foot in front of the other, okay? Come on, shoes. You know what to do. Just walk forward. Come on, shoes. If I started yelling, I'm not going to yell at the shoes. If I started yelling at the shoes, come on, shoes. They wouldn't walk. But I might have to untie it. So, but, but, if you put Christ in the equation, I'll just put on these shoes and then I'll talk. (laughs) You guys won't forget this, trust me. I usually have my ugly sandals on, and I tell the kids, you won't forget it because uh, sandals are ugly and because it's the truth. I knew for many years Christ died for me. Oh, first, Christ loves, Christ loves you so much. You know, the Bible does say that time and time and time. How did God display his love? Did he write it out in the sky? Did he write it out in the oceans? Did he write it out with this or that? Did he write it on the walls? Because he could write on walls, right? Did he, did he shout it out loud? I love all of you guys. Have fun down there. Figure it out on your own. No, Christ came down and died. And I knew that. I knew that with all my heart. Remember? I knew that I was a sinner. I needed a Savior. But to live the Christian life, I was trying it on my own. I was like, it was like talking to the shoes. Come on, just, you know what to do. You know what to do. You know what to do. Just walk forward. No power, though. No power. How many of you need to forgive, but you're not forgiving? How many of you need to be humble, but you're not being humble? How many of you need to stop stressing out and trust God? How many of you fill in the blank? Man, I know I shouldn't lust. I know I shouldn't tell lies. I know I shouldn't steal. I know I shouldn't do that. I know I shouldn't yell at my kids. I know I shouldn't fill in the blank. Start yelling at my husband or wife. I know I shouldn't do that. But I don't have the power. Where's the power? I knew, like you said, I knew Christ loved me. He died for me. And he rose again. Yay. Yeah. He, uh, what's, a, um, what's a Easter song? It's like, he's alive. He's alive. Oh, happy day. Yeah, I can sing that song. But come Monday. Bah, Failure. And what's the answer? It's verse 25. I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then with 
the mind, I'm, I myself serve the law of God, and with the flesh, the law of sin. Chapter 8, verse 1, famous, famous verse. There is therefore no, now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. I want you to turn to Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 with me. Colossians 3, somewhere over here. In the right side, more to the right of Romans. There you go, I found it. Colossians 3, 1. It says, if then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is seating at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things of earth. It's not saying, you know, you can't, you shouldn't work a job or, you know, pay for your house or think about getting insurance for your car. No, it's talking about earthly things that will distract you from God and sinful things as well. For you died and your life is hidden. I'm going to read it again. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ and God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Therefore, listen to this, therefore put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanliness, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. Who is he speaking to here? Non-believers or believers? Believers. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience, in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. But now you yourselves are to put off all these things, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man who is renewed in the knowledge according to the image of him who created him. That's a mouthful, but that's a, that's a tremendous blessing right there. Like I said, I said it again, I knew Christ loved me. He died for me. He rose again for me. But what I failed to realize was that Christ, that I died with Christ. I was buried with Christ. Not only was I buried, but I was risen with Christ. And that's our hope. That's, that is, it's phenomenal. It, it's not us being good enough, trying hard enough. It's Christ living in us. Have you heard of that scripture in Galatians? It is no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. So it, it, it was, the, go back to the shoe illustration, do this, do that, do that. Not until Christ was living in me, then you can walk, then you can move, then you can be pleasing to God. How? How does that happen? How can that be possible? Super easy, super simple. Super simple. By humility and faith. I'm going to say it again, by humility and faith. How do you overcome your sin? By humility and faith. How do you grow in God? By humility and faith. How do you start your relationship with God? By humility and faith. How are you going to end your relationship with God? By humility with faith. Right? The whole thing. Growing, winning, being victorious is all by faith in Christ. It is that simple. That's a Christian life. Start to finish. So you go back to Romans chapter 8, verse 1. I'm going to read that verse again. 8-1. There is therefore now no condemnation 
to those who are in Christ Jesus. And if you feel condemned today, condemned meaning guilty, you are guilty. Feel that? You have that burden on you? I know there's a lot of people in the room. You could be feeling that today. Very possible, most likely. <laughs> Am I saying, does the Bible say here that we live sinless lives? No. No way. No way, Jose. Not until we get into paradise are we sinless. But God has declared us in our position as free, not guilty. And like I said, I, I struggled for many years, many, 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 many years. I was just living in chapter 7. Stuck. You can say stuck. In the pit of despair, of trouble, of sin. You've been there before? It's not a fun place to be. But who reaches out to save? It's not us jumping in the quicksand. We can't get out. We're stuck. Help, help, help. That's humility and faith, right? Help, help. God reaches down and grabs us, pulls us out. When we trust him, that he will. I love this verse. It's in 1 John chapter 1. Verse 9. I want to turn there. You don't have to because I don't want to misquote it if I can find it. Should have practiced my sword drills. Here we go. First John. First John 1 John 1.9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's who he is. He cannot deny himself. God cannot deny himself. He doesn't change, you know. Kind of changed my mind on you and you guys. I've seen the way you've been acting. Yeah, I'm going to change it up a little. Imagine. He, he should, but he doesn't. He's so patient. He show, he's so gracious. Not so we can party it up, but so that we can be transformed. His kindness is intended to change us. That's what Romans, I think it's chapter 3, says. The kindness of God is intended for you to change, not to stay in your sin. I want to keep on reading. It says, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh on the account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh. The reason why we're not condemned is because Christ condemns sin. It's beautiful. It's awesome. Something to hold on to. Verse 4, Then the that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. You know, knowing what's wrong never helps you out in not doing what's wrong, right? Like you tell a little kid, don't eat the cookies. You can have them after dinner, but don't eat them before dinner, okay? And just fill in your life in this because you know what I'm talking about. Don't eat the cookies, okay? Don't eat the cookies. And they'd be like, oh, I shouldn't eat the cookies. 
Because you tell them, if you eat the cookies, you're going to be on timeout. We're going to take away your Spider-Man toy. But that's not enough to stop him. Because that sin inside of him is saying, and just put this in a grown-up person's life, your life. Oh, I shouldn't do that. I know that's wrong. I know that's wrong. I know that's wrong. It's not enough. Knowing what's, what's wrong is not enough. <laughs> you need someone to help you out. And that's Christ. It's Christ himself. He will give you the strength. Um, yeah, I think, I think we all get that now. Sorry, I'll, I'll move on. So, verse 8. So then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. In the flesh, we cannot please God. Do we think, do things that break his heart still? Yes. 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 We can even quench the spirit of God. You know what? Ephesians says you can quench the spirit of God. We don't want to do that. We want to live pleasing, acceptable lives to God. How do we do that? By the Spirit's help, by abiding in Christ, by humility and faith. So, verse 9, but you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. It's that simple. If you don't have Christ living inside of you, eternal life in you, you're not his. You're not a child of God. That's the only way. It's, it's eternal life. The only way you see kingdom of God is to be born again. That's what Jesus told Nicodemus. The only way is to be born again. Invite the Spirit in. So I want to um, take us to verse um, 28, and we'll finish with the end of Romans chapter 8. It says, and we know. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I want to go there. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God. I'll read that again. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God. This isn't a guess. This isn't a wish of Jesus. This isn't, oh, maybe, maybe not. Flip a coin. Let's see. Has? No. He says, I'm going to read again. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God. Are all things good that happen to us? No. Absolutely not. But does God work everything together for good? Yes. It looks ugly sometimes, doesn't it? Real ugly. How does he do it? I don't know. Does he always do it on earth? No. Sometimes he waits to the other side. It's not, I, I said this almost every time. Maybe someone needs to hear it. It's not we have this life and that life. It's we have one life. We want the answers now. God, tell me now. Do it now. Do the trick now. Turn it to good now. Come on, God. Work according to my time schedule. Come on, God. That you're like a genie. Just rub the lamp and you'll do the wishes. No. He's God. His ways are far greater. Have you ever met someone who's just a brainiac or brilliant? And like the words they say you don't understand. That's God. Time's infinite. It, or sometimes I think of it this way. Have you ever had an interaction with someone where they don't speak English, but they're trying to talk to you in a different language? You're like, I don't know what you're saying right now. Sorry. I, I don't understand. Sometimes that's the way it is with God and us. But he does work all things. He says we know this. We're confident of this. That all things work together for good to those who, who what? Love God. To those who are the what? 
the called, according to his, his purpose, not our purpose, his purpose. Do we experience pain as Christians? Absolutely, 1,000%. Sometimes every day. Just depends on your life. Will God work all things together for good? Yes. Do you believe that? Do you trust in that? Do you hope in that? You should. It's a promise. It's not, it's not a cute saying or a quote or something that should just go on your wall. But it's just a beautiful scripture. For God loves, or for God will work all things. No. It's an anchor in the depths of, of storms, the depths of the ocean. It's an anchor. Maybe someone needs that verse today. Romans 8, 28. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the, to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. Verse 31 of chapter 8. What then shall we say to these things? These beautiful truths, these hopes, these glories that Paul has written down for us given to him by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Do we believe that? Do we trust that? Are we hoping in that? Or is this another cute scripture? This is a good question. Check your heart. Because God wants to, to work on you, work on us. If God is for us, who can be against us? And I love, I love how this one pastor, I was just listening to a message because I really needed it. And he says, Satan, the enemy, you know, Satan can only be at one place at one time. He doesn't say, you know what, you've really had a hard day. Things have gone really hard for you. I'll come back tomorrow. I'll come back in a week. You know, just take a break from spiritual warfare. Just take it easy. No, he comes to you when you're down, when you have nothing left, when you're hanging on by a thread. That's when he comes. The opportune time. Just like Jesus, he came at the end of his temptation. He was tempting him. But he brought it hard, right, at the end. Sometimes it does look like everything's against us. We're trapped. <laughs> Only way to look is up. God is for us. He doesn't always do things the way that we want them. And that's just the truth, isn't it? But he's there. He's there. He's there. I promise you, he's there. He promises you, he's there. Do we always have the right feelings or happy feelings? No. So then he goes on. He who did not spare his own son but delivered him up for us, all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? Notice that. It says, who? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Remember chapter 5, he says, you're justified, not guilty. It is Christ who justifies you. And I, I think people need to hear that, people in this room. Christ has justified you. You're no longer his enemy, but you're his friend, his son, Someone who he loves, or his daughter. Not enemy, not enemy, not enemy. Loved one, beloved. If you ever read John's letters, he says, beloved, 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 beloved. 
Because you are beloved. You are loved deeply. Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? Notice it keeps on saying who. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who makes intercession for us. So yeah, we do have those days where the enemy or our flesh is like, you, you little piece of trash, or however, you know, however your brain works or whatever. You know what I'm talking about though, right? When you sin and you knew you shouldn't have sin and you feel terrible, you feel guilty, and you go before God and I'm scared. Or you don't go to God because you're scared. I got to go on time out. But that's not how God works. Remember, he sits on a throne of grace. It was Christ who, it says, Christ died and furthermore is risen, and he makes intercession. He's our lawyer. We have the best lawyer. There's no case he loses. He says, I already paid for that. Bye. Done. Dismissed. You're welcome. See you again later. Hopefully not for a while in this case. You know, when it comes to sin, you know what I'm talking about. Okay. Who shall separate us from the love of God? Notice again. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet. Yet. In all these things we are more than conquerors through him. Notice what it says here. Notice. Everyone's talking about God loves you, God loves you, God loves you. I'm going to read again. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors. We don't just win a little. We, we should win a lot. But are you winning? Am I winning? I got to do a bigger to that. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through who? Through who? Through who? Who's the him? Huh? Christ. Remember back to chapter 7? Who is it that makes the shoes walk? Christ. Christ will conquer through you. You're just a worm. I'm just a worm. We are helpless, even as Christians. We're empty. We have nothing. He who does not abide in the bind produces no fruit. Want to do it on your own? Eh. Sorry, no fruit. No joy, no peace, no love, no forgiveness. Right? Because you read Philippians, be joyful in everything. In all, all times, rejoice. Excuse me, Paul? What is it? Um, James 1. Is Dallas here? No. Oh, he's helping um, Marcy. James 1. What does it say? It says, count all your trials and tribulations as joy. Are you kidding me, James? Oh, Paul says in Romans chapter 5, too. We just didn't read it. He says, it's actually really good for you when you go through trials. What? What do you mean? Huh? Yeah, because you're helpless, and God's proving it to you. He's proving, you, he's proving to you how much you need him. It's not that it's good. It's good for you. Right? Yes? So, yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. I'm telling you, he loves us. He could have just wrote it in the sky. I love all of you. <laughs> he could have wrote it on the wall. I love all of you. He could have just left it in here. 
And Christ, lo- Jesus loves everyone and stayed in heaven. But did he? No. He proved his love. So, verse 38, I am persuaded, Paul says, that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. I'm going to read that last part again. Which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Turn to Ephesians chapter 1 with me. I want you to read it, you know, with your own eyes, but I'll read it. I want you to see it with me. If I can find it, Ephesians chapter 1, I'll tell you right now. (laughs) Okay, if I find it, that would be good. Is it one? No, two, three. I'll find it. Just give me a second. Oh, I wish Dallas was here. He could quote it to me. Because he's been quoting it at a prayer time every single week. Every single week. Do any of you know that And from the pure word crowd? Where he says, when he says, um, no, he says, uh, it's, a, it's a Bible verse, but he's always quoting it. And it just left my mind. Wow. Okay, it got homework for you. It turned into homework because I couldn't find it. I don't want to sit here forever. Um, I mean, I could use my phone, but I'm not going to do that. But it talks about this in Ephesians 1, 2, or 3. My brain is bad. Uh, you can find it. I know you can with Google. It's help. Or you can just read the book of Ephesians. So he says, um, there, is no, there is no way to measure. He says, I, I, I think it's in chapter 1. I want you to know the, the you know where it's at? No? Okay. okay you, I thought you were, you were right there. I want you to know the love of Christ. He says that, I want you to know it. But then he tells him, but there is no fully comprehending it. He says it's wide and it's deep and it's high and it's long. He says, I want you to know the love of Christ. Man, sorry, guys, but. Like I said, homework for you guys. Find that verse that talks about that. Um, The depth, 318, are you sure? I was way off. Thank you, Lloyd. I appreciate it. So I'm going to read verse 14. For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his what? His spirit. And I lost my place. Through his spirit in the inner man that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Oh, that's what we're talking about today, huh, faith? But that you be rooted and grounded in what? Love. May be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height. And to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge. That you may be filled with the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. To him be glory in the church for Christ Jesus to all generations forever and amen. Thank you, Lloyd. So, remember how he's talking about nothing can separate you from this love in Romans chapter 8. Nothing. Not even Satan himself. Nothing. Do you believe that? Are you living in that? Are you living in the truth? Are you living a justified life? Yeah, you have to ask for it. 
Are you living a spirit-filled life? Are you living a humble life? There's only, there's only two ways in which we relate to God. In humility or faith. I mean, I said that wrong. In humility or pride. Pride, I know what to do, God. Don't tell me what to do. We might not say that, but we do that. I know what's right. I don't need your help. I don't need to read my, I don't need to read my Bible. I don't need to pray. What are you talking about? I got this. I don't need to be in fellowship with other people. I got this. I don't need my brothers and sisters. I got this. <laughs> no. That's pride. I'm strong enough, Jesus. Don't worry, I got this. I could be here. I got this. I could say that. I got this. I could watch that. I got this. A few days later, no, you don't got it. You failed. Why? Because you're prideful. Because I was prideful. Because we were prideful. I guess I have a few questions to end. Great job. I'm asking them to you, not to myself. <laughs> have you, I don't know, like I said, because we're the room we have. Have you been born again? Do you know Christ? Is the spirit of Christ living in you? It's a great place to start. Do you know Christ? Personally. Not your grandparents know him or your parents know him. I like this saying that God doesn't have any grandchildren. He only has children. Do you know him personally? Have you accepted his gift of salvation, eternal life? Because there's only two choices. Heaven or hell? Are they like heaven, hell, like space, matter? I don't know, but I'm just, for our brain's sake, heaven or hell? Have you done that? Do you know Christ personally? Has he rescued you? Has he saved you from your sins? Only his blood can wash away our nasty, disgusting sins. That's number one. Number two, is dead, <laughs> is dead, is sin dead in your life? I'm not saying being perfect, but I'm talking about Man, I keep on wanting going back to this specific thing, like a dog to his vomit. Dog to his vomit. That's a proverb. A dog to its vomit. Going back to your sin. Going back to your sin. Not having enough power. Not having enough strength. Not allowing Christ to live in you. Is that you? Are you stuck in the place, I know what I should be doing, but I don't have the power to do it. Or I know what I should do, and I don't have the power to do that. Are you? Maybe. I don't know. God knows. Is there something that God has been telling you to do over and over and over? Not like, come on, Rory, do this. Like, no. I told you to stop watching that. I told you to stop talking to your, your whoever like that. Maybe it doesn't sound like that to you. But you shouldn't be doing that. You shouldn't go there. You shouldn't do this. You shouldn't do that. Or you should start doing this. You should start doing this. Because a Christian life isn't about just don't do bad things. It's about doing what's right. Doing godly things. Oh. Right? Yes? It's not about uh, don't do bad things. It's do good things. Now that, you're d that you were raised up, live a life. Walk. Walk for God. Walk with God. So is, is there anyone that needs to hear that? Christ has given you power over your sin, not in your own strength. I'm strong enough. I can watch this. I can do this. I can drink that or do this or do that. Really? Or I know you'll forgive me. I'll just keep on sinning where I'm at. I like this. 
have God go and murder that sin in your life. You need that. That's the only way to, to stop sinning is for that sin to be murdered, slayed, cut its head off. Remember, Jesus said, he's, he talked pretty intense. Cut off your hand, he told them. Pluck out your eye. <gasps> really? No, I don't want to do that. That's scary. Cut off both hands. And then what are you going to do? i got to plug out both my eyes. Because they're really bothering me with sin. He wasn't saying literally, go get a knife and just, or a spoon and get it out your eye. Was he? No. He was saying, be dead serious about your sin. Yes. Maybe someone needs to hear that today. I think, think someone might need to hear that. The depression, the frustration that I felt for so many years, because I knew what was right to do, but I couldn't do it. I knew what was wrong, but I did it. Do I still do that? Yes. But not like I used to. I'm progressing, going forward. That's what the Christian life is about, right? Going forward, not going back to what we are rescued from. How silly is that? Yeah, I was saved from this, but I'm going to go back to it. But I just threw up, but I'm going to go back to it. How, how Christ can set us free. It's not, just, it's not just in songs. It's a reality. It's not just on Sunday mornings. It's 24-7, 365. It's not Wednesday, Sundays, and when you hop out sometimes. It's all the time. That we're supposed to be abiding, living, however you want to say it. Walking in the Spirit, walking in faith. It's all really the same thing. Lastly, Romans 8.1. Are you living a raised life? It sounds weird the way I said it, but I think you get the picture. That's kind of a summary of all that I talked about. Are you living this raised life? If not, why? If not, Why? Is everything going to be perfect? No. Are you going to do everything right? No. But you're going to walk in humility and in faith. You're going to have fruit start popping out of your arms and your head. No, not no, an apple. But you're going to be kind to those that you want to be angry with. You're going to be loving to those who hurt you. You're going to be giving to those who've taken from you. You can't do that on, on your own. No way. I can't do that on my own. No way. They get what they deserve. They ain't getting anything from me. That's called your flesh. But the spirit. But Christ says, it's one thing to do good to those who scratch your back. But it's another thing to do good to those who are your enemy. Paraphrase, obviously. And that's how you know you're a son of God. Because that's God's nature. Be merciful and gracious to all of us. So if you want prayer today, if you want uh, to pray on your own, what do, what do you think God needs to do? What, is, what has he been speaking to you? I would say respond to that. It wasn't anything I said. It was just one scripture that you needed to hear today. It was something that was, wow, I really needed to hear that, God. Thanks for that scripture. If it is you need that you need to know that you are loved, you feel like anyone loves you, anyone cares for you, Christ does. He proved it. It's not just, it's not a story. He came down for us. 
So I'll pray um, right now. Like you said, we'll pray up here if you want prayer. You pray in your seats. Whatever God wants to do in your heart, in your life. Um, whatever you need him for, too. Cry out to him. He hears. He listens. Thank you, Jesus, for your word. Lord, I pray that we respond to your word, your truth, the life that you've given us. I pray, Lord, that you would strengthen our inner man, that we would know, that we would understand, we would live in your love. It's not a concept, it's a reality, and you loved us already, and you still love us. I pray, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts, speak to my heart. Lord, change us, transform us according to your image. Would we be pleasing? Would we walk in the spirit? Would we be humble? We know, Lord that we need you, but oftentimes we want to do things in our own strength, in our own ways. And show us, Lord, those times when we are being prideful, when we're trying to be strong enough, when we're trying to be good enough. Lord, give us the power that you promised. Lord, it is a promise that you've written in Romans 8 that we are more than conquerors through you. And I pray, Lord, that we would live that life, that we would not let our flesh win. That we would feed the spirit, Lord, that you would strengthen us as I've already prayed. That you would keep us, that you would make your face shine upon us. And that you would be gracious and give us peace, Lord. Lord, whatever these people need, whatever I need, Lord, would you, would you provide that? We thank you that you will, that you are faithful to hear our, our prayers and answer them according to your will. So we do pray, Lord, that your will would be done. That we would respond to your word. Your, your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. To learn more about the Springs Calvary Chapel, please visit our website at www.thespringscalvarychapel.org. Join us in person at the Springs in Hebron, Idaho, or here on the podcast as we worship together in spirit and in truth.